All right. Happy Friday. Welcome to another edition of, of Rosenballs. We're obviously going to be talking about the two hot topics now. Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. All right. Some lessons. We're going to start with Boston. Okay, so obviously, you know, it's been swirling around for a while, beginning of the week. Um, trying to drop a pot about it, didn't have a, a time. It was this whole concept of the Celtics offering, you know, Jalen Brown, uh, Derek White, some package around that. Maybe there was a pick involved for KD, which the Nets rejected. Okay. So what's really frustrating about this is that offer only happened uh, based on reports earlier in July. So there's obviously a lot of incentive for, for Brooklyn to now push that, I won't call it the rumor, but, you know, push that case now, right? Like, why bring it up now, right? Why say now? Oh, by the way, like a month ago, the Celtics offered us this. It's no longer news. You know, I think Brooklyn Counter was something ridiculous with, like, smart Robert Williams and and picks and such like, you know, GTFOH, right? So why bring it up now? So Brooklyn clearly hasn't said that. Brooklyn, I think, is still trying to – they would prefer to move KD in a deal they're getting a dollar for, for dollar on, okay, which is already ridiculous in its own right. If you have a player that demands a trade from your team – his value immediately gets diminished, okay? So you're not getting a dollar for a dollar for him. You'd be glad to get 90, 80 cents on the dollar, okay? And no one would, would bat an eye if he got 90, 80 cents on the dollar, right? But it's ridiculous that the Nets are like, hey, this guy demanded a deal. Oh, by the way, he's 34. Still injury prone, played 90 games last three years. Yeah, we, we, we're, we're going to, we're going to, um, you know, we're going to treat him like he's 27 in his prime. Absurd. Absurd. So a deal's not going to get done. It's just not. Okay? So that that's the first thing. It's just like a, a ridiculous, um, you know, notion. Okay? So the second thing is, on Boss's perspective, though, they have no incentive to move Brown. Even in a straight up, honestly, and I know people are like, you know, this is crazy. Like, you're getting such a huge talent. You have two guys. Your top two players are 25, okay? They've answered the question, can they play together, yes or no? Yes, they can, okay? And they're doing so in really a 1A, 1B fashion. I know, like, look, there's always sensitivities, and you don't know how, for lack of a better term, mentally strong these guys are, right? Like, does someone want to pull a Kobe, and, you know, be, you know, want to have his own team, basically. And you're like, no, I want to be the main guy. And I think Jalen Brown is smart enough, and Tatum is too, that they realize, look, if we ditch the situation and bet, and we're the number one guy on our team, yeah, maybe they have a poster and they're showcasing the poster, but we're going to win 40 games, tops. Like, if Brown is your number one offensive talent, okay, and getting more shots, you're probably barely a playoff team. And ditto, if Tatum is your number one offensive talent and he's not partnered with a guy like Brown and, and the the second guy is, you know, whatever positioning, then that's also the case. And, like, I know people are making this argument, like, well, neither one is a quote-unquote number one guy. I, I, don't, I don't buy that that's even necessary. You have two, let's call it an ideal situation, 1B guys. That, that works, right? So Brown can easily be a really good second fiddle. So could Tatum. 
And he could do, you know, I wouldn't call take your turn offense, but uh, whoever's hot and, you know, you ride that hand and, and, and kind of run through them, which they've done. I think the finals loss was more of like, this is a new territory for the team. They, they kind of played worse as the playoffs went on, quite frankly. Like, the Nets were their toughest opponent. They sweeped them. They played amazing against Brooklyn. A little worse against Milwaukee without Middleton. I don't think they needed to take as many games as they did. And Horford coming up big was a big reason why they won that series. And against the Heat, I really don't think the Heat were as strong as even the Bucks or the Nets. And that went seven, and they were Jimmy Butler three away from something there. And again, like you saw how well they played in those blowouts. And then on the flip side, they would just not show up a few times. So that's a learning lesson for them. They have to kind of pace themselves through the playoffs in order to ensure they're at maximum peak in the finals. And the Warriors knew that um, and knew kind of when to turn it on, and the Celtics didn't. But so notion of Brown and training Brown for Durant's ridiculous on Boston's side. It really is. There are two wins away. You, you run it back. You've approved the team. You got Brogdon. Um, and, and the KD thing could go, uh, you know, it could go south real fast, right? Um, he gets hurt. He comes in like a sourpuss. He doesn't want to play. Whatever it is. I mean, he's going to play. But, like, if you lose in the playoffs, then what? Like, you know, he's only his, – his, he's only going to get worse at this age. Like you don't improve after 34, you don't get better. Right. So like your best chance to win the title is the first year with him. And I would argue the Celtics are a very sensitive team to chemistry. We saw it in the, in the regular season. Okay. When they made some key trades at the deadline and they moved like a Schroeder, a Josh Richardson, Josh Richardson would have been fine. I think either way, Schroeder was the big moving piece. And you get back a couple better role talents like like that like a Derek White, a Daniel Tice. That swap, I think, was a huge uh, catalyst to the second half emergence. And they over look the value for White was ridiculous. I mean, it was a couple of picks in a swap. It was a lot. They gave up a lot for for Derek White. Too much, but. Look, it, 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 that worked. If I'm Boston, I'm, I'm not even talking to Brooklyn. Like, first of all, a couple things. A, they're like a division rival. We're probably going to have to face them in the playoffs. Okay? There's a world where Simmons comes back well and all that. And, like, don't like do not do the Nets any favors. All right? Let them, let them, you know, make their own bed. It's not under other NBA's teams' rights. Like, other teams should completely be devaluing uh, KD right now. Like you should only be getting KD if there's immense pressure coming from ownership and management that if you don't win a title next year, it's going to be really bad. So I get Phoenix as an example because uh, of Chris Paul. And by the way, this is going to sound crazy. Teams got to be smarter when they know they have a guy that's got like huge value and there's a market inefficiency, right? And for me, uh, the team that, if James Jones was was really competent here, and he's a good GM, you know, Chris Paul deal and all that, it, one of the smart moves he can do <laughs> is actually swap Booker for KD. Because I don't think Booker's that good. Booker's good. He's a one-way talent, though. He doesn't play D. Okay? And when he wasn't in the lineup, the, the Suns were pretty effective. Okay? And if you get a guy like KD, you're still going to need some depth. And guys like Cam Johnson and, and Mikael Bridges are actually quite uh, critical if you have um, KD. But you don't need Booker. You don't need another scorer there. 
right? So, look, you have Chris Paul, who, you know, has got a strong injury history, which is a problem. Okay. So, look, you you need to be... um, You need to be somewhat concerned. If you're Phoenix, and that's actually the deal that, that makes the most sense. I get the age difference, right? Like, Booker's is not old like KD, but Paul is. So you want to max that out, and you give it a nice little two-year window. Get your title for Phoenix, or at least get to the finals, what have you. And, you know, you still got Bridges long-term or whatever. Now, now I think the bigger piece for Phoenix would have been Jay Crowder. We don't have to jump into the Phoenix piece. So Boston's mindset right here, in my opinion, needs to be... Just hang out to the team, let it run. And then look, here's what I would do on the other end. Again, you know, I keep quoting Bobby Marks. It's a good quote that he has, right? Everybody loves their roster going to the regular season. So if you're Boston, you, and you're struggling a little bit or whatever, the, I look at um, other teams that are struggling and to me, Marcus Smart is the chemistry in the backbone of the team now. Now. So if things are going well, you don't make a move. But if things don't seem to be going well and you need either a point guard or what have you, then I think a smart Derek White package, because you have Brogdon now, by the way. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, keeping both. A... a Marcus Smart, Derek White package to get a punker that you need uh, could make sense down the line. The guy I look at is De'Aaron Fox on, on, on Sacramento um, because Sacramento is going to be quite desperate. And they have Sabonis now. I don't think Sabonis and Fox are the best fit due to lack of spacing. Fox would be really good on Boston. But again, you only make that move if things go sour during the regular season. There's no reason to do anything now. My only point is, if you're Boston and you're going to make a move, or if you're going to eventually move Jalen Brown, right? Because it was eight, because uh, you don't get the sense he's going to resign or what have you. Then, then you you just get someone who fits the timeline. Okay, this doesn't need to be like I don't think fans are fans have now. It's funny the the cycle this has got it. It used to be title or bust. It used to be right, and that was I think epitomized by. Um, Uh, <clears throat> KD going to Golden State, right? He was like, if I don't want a title, I'm Charles Barkley, right? Didn't want that on his legacy. And then it ended up hurting his legacy. And I think fans didn't like it either. Fans didn't like these, like, cheapy, like, I call it, like, gimmicky um, titles, right? It didn't seem uh, genuine, okay? It was very, like, you know, it, it wasn't, I, I, w- I would say it was, it was not the most kosher, um, not the most kosher uh, way to win. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. As a result... Okay. I don't think teams are now title or bust. I think they're more like, let's build 
you want to get the five to ten year like dynastic road. Like 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 Detroit's a good example. Okay, Detroit. You know, in, in obviously they win the title the first year in 04. Okay, but they're they're good for a while, right? They they win in 04, and then all the way until 08. And again, that's an old team. That's an old team. But they from so you look at it like 0304, 0405, 0506, 0607, 0708. So that's an older team, and they get a nice five year run of consistent trips deep into the playoffs to the conference finals, a few finals appearances. Okay. And for the fans and everyone in there, it, it means a lot. And then I think they just made the wrong deals when they needed to revamp, right? Like I think the the second go ahead when they got Chauncey Billups, I mean, they moved Chauncey Billups and Allen Iverson was obviously. Uh, you know, quite an impactful um, mistake there, but you know, at least they're 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 making a five-year run of conference finals, which the Celtics actually are in. So I, I can sense the frustration and maybe management that's like, yeah, we keep making the conference finals. We finally made the crack of the finals. We got to win one time. I don't think the fans feel that way. It's much better for fandom, a when it's homegrown, and b. When you're just consistently good, the, the, what fans don't like is these like years where you have like a veteran team. Like again, the end of Detroit or the end of Boston's run when they had KG Pierce and uh, and Jason Terry really at that point before the Brooklyn deal, and you follow like the seven eight CD losing the first round. Like that that's that's not great. You want to always feel like could this be the year that we we make we crack through or whatever, and you want to have that uh, last as long as possible. So Boston's in shape there, but again if, if Brown is giving them a sense that he's not going to resign. There's different deals out there, okay? There's other ways to to get a win to get a young piece that that fits around Tatum, okay? And yes, you know, something that he would embrace and all that. Um, and I think the best way to look at it, and I have to dig into the numbers, is like what the Celtics numbers are when one of them is off the floor with each other. Like, are they like, look, if the data showed, forget chemistry for a second, which is a very critical for them. Clearly, as I noted, outside of even chemistry, do our units better when it's just one of Tanner or Brown? I, I don't know. Okay. But in a playoff series, they're both very necessary and they've proven, I think you go deep. And I'm curious when now another year, you know, under their belt going deep uh, into the playoffs does, in these next playoffs, I think that's important. Okay. For the next, like, 10 minutes or so, I want to talk about the, the Donovan Mitchell uh, saga, right? So, <clears throat> now concerning Utah and New York and, and the other teams that could get involved. Um, I, I got to give credit to the Knicks. I think, you know, the older regime probably would have jumped on the Mitchell deal. They would have gotten the talent. And gone for Mellow 2.0. And my point is, like, and a lot of people are saying, like, hey, look, even if Mitchell's Mellow 2.0, which they acknowledge, it's a good deal. No, it's not. Mellow 2.0 was silly, not because he got Mellow. That's not the point, is comparing Mellow and Mitchell. It's because you could have gotten Carmelo anyway in free agency. And instead, you dump guys like Wilson Chandler, Delino Gallinari, Timothy Mozgov. Yeah, Aton, what do they amount to? doesn't matter. They held very strong market value when they were on the Knicks. They did. They had good value around the league. You could have built pieces around that. Now you have a better team with Melo, so instead of being a 50-win second-round team, maybe make it the conference finals, maybe you're even 
you know, flirting deeper than that. Okay. Like those extra assets matter because of what you can get for them. Okay. Why is this important? Because with Mitchell, the best route for, for New York is let's kick it down the road. The guy's going to be a free agent in a couple of years. He's going to want to come to us. Let's build a competent team until then. The best route is you dump Fournier, Randall. You can throw Derrick Rose in there too to the Lakers for Westbrook. You don't even ask for a pick. Just dump those deals. Okay? And then you can use that Westbrook contract maybe if you want to take on a bad contract than an asset. Okay? That's what you do. Because by moving those three guys, it opens up minutes for the youth. And then you're probably going to get another top 10, top 5 pick in a great draft. Right? And then you build that way. That makes way more sense. Now Barrett's going to get more touches. Grimes, Toppin, you're going to see what you got. All right, let's see what we got. We're not good. We're not there, right? Ainge is not going to move off um, his price tag for Mitchell. I, I don't think he's got any incentive to. He's going to just keep that price tag, which is high, okay? And he's going to keep it. And the Knicks have a better offer than anybody else, and that's not going to change between now and let's call it the February deadline. So the most obvious thing that's going to happen and then you have to, oh, sorry, the last thing I'll say is you have to ask yourself, right, why didn't the Knicks fire Tom Thibodeau? I think Thibodeau made the argument, look, you know, two years ago, I, I overachieved. We were the four seed. Kind of a fluky year because of COVID and everything, but whatever. Okay. They lost in the first round of Atlanta. Fine. Then they have a, a, a really disappointing year the following year, right? You would think, like, they would elevate from that year, but the signings didn't work and all that. Okay. So... I think they're going to give Thibodeau a short leash shot, which is like, look, we gave you Brunson. You have a better team now. Okay. You're going to get another three month period. Right. If by mid December, again, mid December is a good point because now you could you start trading away um, players you signed. So between December 15th and the deadline, if the Knicks are flirting with, I say, a uh, four to seven seed range. They're in that range. They're a little over 500 or 500. I think the, the rumors with Mitchell come back up and I think they ultimately do a deal to get Mitchell. Uh, if they're in that range, four to eight range, if they're, you know, nine to 10, they're just gonna, you know, let's, let's call it even four to 10 range. I think a Mitchell deal gets done right now. The closer they are to the four, the quicker that gets done. Closer to the 10, the later that gets done. So if they're 8 to 10, closer to the deadline, 4 to 6, closer to mid-December. Again, obviously, depends on scheduling and stuff. That's important. And I'll bring up that, this point. If they're 11 to 15 at, at any point starting December 15, Tibbs is fired. I think they do the Laker deal I talked about with Westbrook. And um, they don't touch Mitchell because they're not there. Okay? It only makes sense to get Mitchell, meaning if they've already shown without him they're a first-round team, so that with him, they can make an argument that they jump to the second round, okay? They go from a top eight, let's say, to top four, and let's build off that. It does not make sense to sacrifice talent to go from to go into the top eight. You're still a ways away, but if the top four tweaks, you get the right free agent, you know, that could be the difference to get into two, luck breaks, you get into the finals. Fine. I get that. That, that to me, is the most um, sensible pattern. Here's the most likely scenario that fans need to figure out. Every year, let's look at last year in the East. You have these teams that are fringe playoff teams 
that go on little runs. The NBA is a season of runs. So teams will go on a 10-game stretch where, um, you know, they're 7-3, and three, and all of a sudden, you know, it's not playing enough sample size of games. You're in the 5 seed or 6 seed. And again, it's very dependent on schedule. But over the course of an 82-game season and with injuries involved, you know, reality sets in, right? So let's look at three teams in the examples. Actually, even four. There's all in the East. Okay, Chicago. Chicago was a top four seed the first half of the year. They had an easier schedule. They were healthy. They looked really good. Everyone's like, wow, Donovan could be coach of the year. We didn't think the Bulls were going to be this good. What happened? Towards the end of the year, shit hits the fan. Reality sets in. This is who they are, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, they didn't really have the best first round. I guess, I guess they got the Bucks. You know, I get it. The Bucks are good. But, like, they weren't close in that series. They clearly looked like a first round out. So that was disappointing. But they could then hang their hat while we're good in the beginning of the year. That happens with everybody. Everyone has a trend. They're good. Look at Boston. I mean, everybody. One half, second half. It really depends how you end the season and what you did in the playoffs. And that's more of a summation of, of who you are. Chicago is one example. Washington. People were allotting them. Wow, they're an you know, 7-8 seed. The team's not that great. Coach of the year candidate. You know, um, John Thompson's son. All that, right? Looking really, really good. Again, clarity hits. Later in the year, they, they lose in the plans. Um, you know, they're not as close as they thought. Cleveland, same thing. Cleveland was also a top four seed at a point, right? They had nice stretches. Again, reality hit. They didn't even make the play and they didn't make the playoffs, okay? Charlotte was even, you know, up there and again, didn't make it. My point is if the Knicks are, if the Knicks are supposed to end as an 11th or even 12th seed, given the roster, let's call it a 10 or, let's say between 9 and 11 seed, there's going to be a stretch where all of a sudden they're in the 7th or 6th seed, and people are not going to do the analysis of saying things like, well, hold on, they had a cupcake schedule. Hold on, the good teams they played, they were injury riddled. Hold on, maybe let's be realistic. We're not really a 7th seed. You can't say, well, if the playoffs started today, I don't know. That's a little BS. They're not going to do that. They're just going to look at the standings. They're not. They're going to ignore the fact they played, you know, uh, Detroit three times or whoever, and they're just going to be like, "Wow, we're fifteen and eleven. Let's go for Mitchell." That's my prediction. Okay, I'm not really basing it off nothing. I I, I feel like there's going to be that directive, and they'll ultimately do a Donovan Mitchell deal sometime between December and February, and and it's going to be. Not, not the package that you know fans think or or, or whatever, right? Um, but I think that's the most likely route. Okay, it just it makes way too much sense to me. So I don't, um, I don't see this going um, any other which way. And you know, look. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's um, that's the reality of the situation. Again, we always say this, we shall see, right? But, like, again, my prediction is I think the Knicks are doing the right thing now. They're holding out. There's clearly a civil war, a little bit, let's call it a civil war, a turtle tiff within the organization. People that want to do the Mitchell deal, people that want to wait, probably Brock Aller versus Leon Rose potentially. Who knows? It's a healthy debate, I'm sure. But they'll wait. They'll get Mitchell. It won't move the needle standings-wise. They'll lose in the first round, and they'll set the franchise back like the Carmelo deal did. 